We solemnly swear we're up to no good. fan podcast where we overanalyze the Harry Potter movies one magical minute at a time. I'm Gary Roby. I'm Victoria Laguna. And we have another guest this week. Uh, Kate Cook is here with us. Um, Hi, Kate. everybody. Hello, Kate. <laughs> How, uh, tell us about your Harry Potter history. Um, well, between both my theater careers, I've worked at two different movie theaters. Uh, my very first weekend at the first movie theater that I worked at, I had to deal with the fourth Harry Potter opening. Oh, that's super exciting. So crazy busy. Oh, I think I worked a couple Harry Potter movies. I think I worked the last two or three. Yeah? I think so. I was oh, lucky. I'm... By the time the last ones came out, I was a projectionist, so I got to just, like, hide upstairs and start everybody's movies. But the first one is, like, when I learned the concession stand. Oh, so, uh, busy day. Trying to, like, figure out the registers. You know, people are trying to go really fast and want to be where they want to be. Yeah. No, I totally missed any of the Harry Potter movies. I came in for Twilight. Wow. Another book series. <laughs> so another book series that's definitely not as good. <laughs> and that was crazy enough. So working in fandom, I think. Yeah, just being at a movie theater. Like, being... Working at a movie theater when a big thing comes out is always the most insane. Um, anyone who's like working in that industry, I'm always just like, oh my god, like you guys do so much. Uh, it's totally different working at a bookstore now. I work the bookstore I work at is much more low key, even though it's the same kind of thing. You're having conversations with people that are like fans of things. It's uh, it's not as fast paced. I don't know. Yeah, were you have Yeah, exactly. We have new books that come out every week. Do you were you interested in Harry Potter before working at the theater before like seeing movies? No, actually, well by that point I was okay. By the point of time the fourth one came out, but I actually got I think it was like the first three as like a box set. Okay. When I was younger and I was not interested in reading at all, and I was just like, <laughs> why did you get this? I think I read the first page of the first book. I set it down. You're like, I don't and care about like, Vernon Dursley. And then, like, <laughs> yeah, apparently guy? they lost me in a page. Um, <laughs> that book doesn't start in a good place. <laughs> and then the second book, I think I read, like, two or three chapters and put it down. My... And then in the third one, I got about, like, halfway and I stopped. Um, I didn't get into reading until I had, my like, my back surgery and I had and daytime television. Was sure. Terrible. Like, it was, like, oh, Maury and Jerry oh, Springer. Yeah. And, you know, after, like, a day of that, you, you, you're, like, I feel like eventually you I could be something. on that show because you watch it so much, and you're, yeah, like, I feel like if I keep watching, I'm going to end up on this show, and that's not where I want my life to go. You get, so t- you get tired of the game. whole, uh, you know, baby daddy, you know, paternity test. Yeah, there's yep. only so many mysteries to be solved in, in one afternoon. Because yeah, no, also, by that time, no the, the first movie, I think, had just come out, and I had enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and I think actually to this day the first and the second books are not some of my favorites. I the third one is for sure my favorite. Sure. Um and I, I think it's just because of that. I mean like 
having that weird before I was a reader trying to read them and yeah, not, like, not really being not really interested in it. Like I still sometimes if I go back and reread them, I still sometimes have a hard it's time. It's interesting. I just because of that. I think the first one is always one that I would say maybe I see it as the most magical, but only because like I I did have I think I was the book had been published for like a couple of years, I think, when I got the first one. Um because the movie came out right after the third book did. The first movie. And so I had read that one, and then I had a hard copy of the second and third that I picked up, like, when they started coming out at bookstores. And so for me, the first one always felt the most magical, because it's just the introduction to this world, and it's this kind of um, simple hero's journey story. I don't like the second one that much. I think the second one might be one of the weaker ones. Um, we'll talk about that a lot when we get to the next season, and we're actually covering Chamber of Secrets. But, uh, yeah, I would agree with you totally that, that Prisoner of Azkaban is, like, probably one of the best. I love that one. I just, so good. Now that we're talking it about it, I want to just go find my copy of it and start reading it. Oh, it's so great. It's my favorite. I'm super excited for us to get there, but that's, like, you know, that's, three that's years That's very hard now. That is. That's Let's years focus from now. in on we should, our exactly, lovely Exactly. Planet. Well, uh, uh, yeah, we'll talk more about, like, I was going to ask you what your Potter, what your Harry Potter house is. Oh, or Hogwarts so, house. we did this recently, like... A year and a half ago, okay. back with Maddie and mm-hmm. a friend of ours, and I got Ravenclaw, which was, I was a little surprised at, not because I think I'm, like, dumb or anything. I was going to say that I was pretty sure, I was telling Victoria off mic that if I had guessed, I would guess that you were Ravenclaw, and I think it might just be because I remember us doing the test. Yes. But before, when I had done it, like, back when I was just, yeah, reading through all of them mm-hmm. and in, like, that huge Harry Potter phase, um... When I was like still in it and everything was still new, I yeah. I got Slytherin instead. Okay. Uh, a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Victoria, you said you also have been in two sorted into two different houses. Yeah, like uh, again, like being in high school or whatever, and being into Harry Potter back then, as opposed to now, I believe uh, I got Gryffindor. Interesting. So, but to me, that's never been like my true. House, and yeah. that was before Pottermore even existed. Mm-hmm. So that was like to me that it wasn't the official, unofficial. Sure. So as soon as Pottermore went up, and I did that one, I've been a Ravenclaw ever since, and that's like kind of like the go to me. I feel silly admitting this, but like when Pottermore the quiz first went up, I took that test over and over and over again because I thought that I wanted to be in Gryffindor, and I wouldn't accept the fact that I'm just a Ravenclaw at heart. Oh no! I got Ravenclaw like three times. Like and I was like, I guess I'm just a Ravenclaw. Just <laughs> and I just stayed a Ravenclaw. When I got Slytherin, I was just like, I know, like, the movies kind of make it seem like it's such a terrible house a terrible to be thing. in or whatever. Yeah, but well, I was always just kind of like, that's me. <laughs> well, I kind of always figured that that's what it was. So I was actually surprised. Like, when you got Ravenclaw, during got this um, kind of chunk in Diagon Alley in the book, um, after we start hearing about the houses for Malfoy and Madame Malkin, Madame Malkin's shop. Hagrid is the one that actually tells Harry that there isn't a witch or wizard who went bad who wasn't in Slytherin. Mm-hmm. It's, and in the movie, it's a line that Ron delivers later on, like whenever we see Malfoy get sorted. Mm-hmm. But uh, that came from Hagrid directly, like that, that, that it's kind of accepted that they're, they're sort of the bad guys. Um, I feel like a lot of people sort themselves, a lot of friends of mine sort themselves into Slytherin because they think they're just, like, they're the outcast, like, they're the, the bad seed or whatever, <laughs> and, and, uh... Black sheep. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I probably said that too 
buy it. Pretty well, sure. No, I'm sure it picked up. I'm, I'm pretty sure you wanted to be Gryffindor because it Harry's was in mine. You're like, yeah. Harry's a Gryffindor. Well, I'm exactly. Gryffindor. And, you know, well, I was yeah. also like, I was a little scrawny kid with messy hair and glasses, and like, I wanted to be Harry Potter. Like, I just, <laughs> so badly. Um, there was something that I really admired as a child about like the ambition and the, like, even though he's humble, he's like, Saving the day, kind of thing. I still even compared to Hermione because of like my the hair. hair, and mm-hmm. then like when I was younger, I had like I had braces, so my teeth were like a little bit more messed up. Than yeah. They are now. Aw, that's so funny. Okay, so now that we're like ten minutes in, we should talk about the minute. So today we're talking about minute twenty-six. Minute twenty-six starts with Harry looking up at the sign above Ollivander's shop, and it ends with Ollivander uh, releasing the wand, uh, uh, showing Harry the first wand for him to test. Um, last week, uh, we left, Hagrid left Harry outside of Ollivander's shop, and he told him that he had one more, uh, errand to run, or something else that he had to do before they could leave Diagon Alley, and Harry just go into the shop on your own, you'll be fine. Um, which I think is interesting that, Harry, that Hagrid just, like, leaves him there. He must, I mean, obviously there's a trust for Ollivander there that comes in, like, he knows what he's doing, and it's going to take some time for them to find the right wand for Harry and whatever. In... The movie, he goes, like, shopping. In the book, um, I talked... When Tim Garcia was our guest last week, I Tim was talking... We were talking about the minecars in Gringotts and how the minecars were this really mad ride and it made Hagrid sick and he wasn't feeling well. So in the book, when Hagrid leaves Harry here, it's because he wants to go get a drink at the pub. And so he goes to the Leaky <laughs> Cauldron and leaves Harry to go get his one. He's like, I need a drink after that. Which I think is really funny. Um, and then we also see the sign. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, whatever. It's a children's book too. It's fine. We saw the pub already. They asked if he wanted his usual. Uh, we still don't know what his usual is. I don't know. I have no idea. What it's got to be like butter beer, right? Or fire whiskey? Like, are there other drinks? I'm sure there are other drinks in the. There's more than oh, maybe. No, those are the options. Those are the only options. I think I think it's only two because as children you don't. You yeah. don't have that wide knowledge exactly. of all the drinks. So I, I would think love, it's kind of fitting that in like the children's perspective of things, that's the only two that I they would do know. Read a book about like a barkeep in the wizarding world. And <laughs> just like all the drinks all and the, the patrons that come in with their sad stories. Oh, stories. Yeah. Give me a story about Tom the Barman. I would be so into that. I'm pretty sure sure there's gotta be like a, Yeah. That would oh, be, so be, be a good idea. I'm pretty sure there's gotta be like a book of we uh, talked about drinks. this. There's oh maybe like in the life of someone who works at like the Leaky Cauldron. I yeah, mean, think of it. I mean, they got the bar. They have the rooms that you can the, rent. Those people know things. Star oh, Wars. The, the, the star. Yeah, the a star Wars that book. randomly wanders in, mm-hmm. trying to trying to like figure out what's going on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In uh in Star Wars, they have a book uh, that was in the old extended universe. that was Tales from the Cantina, and then they had Tales from Jabba's Palace, and it's just like little vignette stories about each of the characters that are just in the background in those scenes. And they're really fun, but they're totally off base. But I really wish there was something. We've talked about this too, like a Tales from Diagon Alley or a Tales from the Leaky Cauldron. Like I would read the hell out of those books. That would be That's awesome, cool. right? Um, I also, before we actually get into the minute, I want to talk about. We saw the sign at the end of last week, and it says they are makers of fine wands since 382 BC. And Tim pointed out specifically that he thought it was interesting that it says BC, like. Before Christ, before Christ. And the whole and he was talking about like the religious aspect of it, like oh do do wizards and witches observe like Christian religion or whatever? And we talked about because of the region that it's from, it must be something like that. But I uh, I thought about it. I haven't. There's no research. No, it doesn't say anywhere. But I thought about it and 
there wasn't a statute of secrecy until the 1600s. So it would it would make sense because the wizarding world and the muggle world weren't separate that they would just be following the same calendar. Like I don't think it's like that would be like saying like it's weird that an atheist says that it's year 2016 A.D. Like, yeah, yeah. They don't have their own unique calendar because they didn't need one. Um, but the page I tried to look up Ollivander's the shop because it says it's established in 382 B.C. and the Pottermore page seems to imply that he came that the original Ollivander came to um, came to London from Rome when the Roman Republic was established there, but the Roman Republic didn't have any bases. It didn't wasn't in London until 42 A.D. So there's 400 years that that are unaccounted for, unaccounted for. So I looked into some Roman history. Because I wanted to figure out, like, okay, Ollivander came from Rome. Why would he have ended up in Britain long before there was an actual garrison in, like, London there? And uh, what I found was that in 390 BC, uh, Rome was sacked by the French. And, and refugees of Rome were fleeing across, uh, across Europe. And I think that might have been, like, the impetus for him settling there. But then there, there also, there's no indication that, like, Ollivander the man got to Britain in... 320, 382 BC. Like this doesn't say that this is how long this shop has been here. It's just how long Ollivander has been in business. Yeah. So maybe like the original Ollivanders opened in Rome and it didn't come to London until the Romans established a city in London. And it's just a continuation of the line of the shop. So I don't know. That was all just up in the air details. Um, I looked a little bit more into Ollivander, and it seems that his name meant, like, bearer of the olive wand, which would imply that he comes from a Mediterranean country because olive trees are not common in Britain or anywhere close. Um, so that was fun. I did a lot of wand research. I have so much wand stuff to talk about today. But uh, we can get into that. So we, we see Harry outside the shop, and then he goes inside and he places down the little packages in his arms. They've gone shopping to all these other stores because he's got, like, a package stack of packages that he sits down and it's this very quiet scene there is no music for a couple of minutes um, that we'll talk about today but he comes into the shop and the the shop is there are 17,000 individual wand boxes in this shop the shelves are 17 feet high and they are packed with stuff um, it's like floor to ceiling. Yeah, like exactly. Boxes. It's this really tiny little tight shop that they that they filled in. Um, I wish I knew the. I forgot to write down the. No, I didn't. I wrote down the set design. Um, Just look at the set the designer's name. That they use though to help like mm -hmm. help you kind of like visually. All of those stickers on each of the boxes all have labels. Like they all are labeled for all the different types of wands and the different woods and cores, and it's very thorough. All of uh, all of Diagon Alley was built up like this, just just packed with stuff. There's a place to try to go and visit. Wouldn't that be amazing? I want to go to the Wizarding World. Let's go. Do you uh, think they have one similar, like the new one in Universal? I think they do. I'm sure they have an Ollivander's wand shop. When yeah. I was trying to do research on Ollivander's, the first thing that comes up is the actual like wand shop in the Wizarding World. Um, they have a. They do have a wand shop in the Wizarding World, Harry Potter. It is Ollivander's. Uh, you can choose to buy uh, a character wand. 
which uh, I believe most, if not all, are made by this company called the Noble Collection. The Noble Collection. Yes. Uh, I recently got a Snape wand oh. um, from the Noble Collection. Um, or I believe I was told by my friend that you could pay extra and you can get an interactive wand. And there yeah. are places around the park that have a marking on the floor or on the ground for you to stand there and you know, move your hand a certain way with the wand, and it interacts with something in the park. Well, that'd be neat. Wouldn't that be and so cool? I would, so it's like I you're doing magic? Be, exactly. I'd want an interactive one more th- at that point. Yeah, like, that would be so That'd be so fun. Yeah. It's like the hidden Mickeys, but instead it's like magic spells. Little magic spots. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Magic spots. Magic spots. I like that. Yeah, I really like, I really like the interior of the shop. I really like the layout here. Um, Ollivander comes wheeling across on his ladder, like down the bookshelf, very like, like, like Bell and Yeah. I wish I want I want to I want to have a house that has like bookshelves, like really tall bookshelves, and then I want like a sliding, <laughs> well, ladder, a sliding ladder like things. this. I just, just just to like slide down and like hit. It the also end reminds of me of Beauty and the Beast. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. In my notes I wrote that he slides down Bell's ladder like <laughs> toward the end of the bookshelf. Um and then we see John Hurt. Well, doesn't he remind you of like when Belle goes into the bookshop? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a there's yeah, a there nice a man. old man yeah. who could tells her be, she can keep that book or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Could be this guy. Could be this guy. It was John Hurt secretly. Secretly. Yeah. <laughs> All of it, Mr. Ollivander. There's a magic that exists in the in the world of uh, Beauty and the Beast. There has to be someone who's selling wands. It's Mr. Ollivander. He's been around. He's everywhere. The Ollivander's it's a cameo. The all yeah. There you go. Mr. Ollivander's cameo in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> That'd be amazing if John Hurt showed up in like the Beauty and the Beast like live action movie. That's about well, to but Emma Watson's there, so yeah. that's all you need is a parallel. <laughs> exactly. I'm into that. That would be like awesome. Correlation. Yeah, we never saw her go to Ollivander, so let's see him in the show. That'd be great. <laughs> okay. I'd be happy with that. I really like John Hurt a lot. You said you yes. had stuff to say about John Hurt. Uh, I did, but I mean, we'll get to it. We have a yeah. lot of John Hurt this week. Not to mention, I feel like you were no, already... it's fine. Oh, okay, I wasn't sure. Episodes can be. There's no. There's no time limit. limit. Nope. No. I I I'm sure because it's Monday, everyone will be glad that we have a long episode that's going forward because I still have a lot to talk about. I feel um, like we could push that off because you know we're gonna end up talking about Doctor Who the second we start talking about John Hurt. We should get to John Hurt now because it's the first time we see him, and I'll talk one shop later. Okay. Um, Tell me about John Hurt. I mean, John Hurt's amazing. Uh, he's probably one of the first things I ever saw him in was Alien. Was oh, I love Alien. Alien. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was really great. One of the things I did not know, um, that when I was like looking this up, trying to like look at mm-hmm. some of the other things that he had been in, um, was that he actually was in. An animated Lord of the Rings. And really? He played the voice of Aragorn. What? And I, I had that. to watch this in like the eighth grade. I think yeah. I had a reading teacher, seventh or eighth grade. Um, I had a I've reading teacher that like made us watch it. So that was like such a like total like mind blown moment. Yeah. I was like, wow, I didn't know like that was something I didn't know, which I was kind of like looking back. Um, since I've seen a lot of movies, there's a lot of things I'm always kind of like, oh yeah, was it? Was it? Was it? And then when it makes connections that I didn't really realize it was great. Um, Absolutely. Like, I love that he plays the voice of, I don't know if you've seen, because um, we know that he plays the war doctor in Doctor Who. Oh, yeah, But there's sure. another BBC show that he's on um, called Merlin. 
Oh, he plays the voice of the dragon. <gasps> That's oh. so great. That makes me really happy. And it's it's really great. And it probably fits the show and everything. Um, I, he's got such a great voice. I like him here. He disappears in roles because he's also like the elephant man. And he was in Contact. Uh, have he, you seen Contact? Yes. I haven't seen him in a really long time. I was literally just talking to somebody about how He plays like I that eccentric billionaire guy. That. I would recommend Maybe. watching it again because I watched it again at the impetus of like the Back to the Future Minute guys. They talked about it because it was directed by um, Robert Zemeckis mm -hmm. who directed the Back to the Future things. And... Uh, I didn't even – that movie is entirely different than I remember it being. Um, I just remember that's liking it. Like, that's it's pretty good. Um, it's it's really good. His character, I didn't even recognize it as him for a while because he's like totally – he's playing like a like a cancer survivor or something or someone battling cancer. So he, he's totally shaved, like no beard, no hair, just like scrawny with his glasses. And I was like, oh my god, I didn't even realize. Like, um, He is actually – random fact is I was, like, looking into um, – I was trying to find the name of the episodes where he's the war doctor, mm -hmm. which is um name of the doctor and uh, day of the doctor. He also – like, random facts that they have on there, which I thought was weird because it was, like, the first one they showed. Like, I didn't even click on the trivia thing. Sure. Was about how apparently currently in Hollywood he has the most, like, movies or credited the most – movies or roles where he has died at 47. Wow. So apparently wow. that's John the record dies currently. All the time. I guess so. I guess so. Like, like Everyone talks about Sean Bean, Bean, but it's nope. really John Hurt. I know, and I that's who I would have thought. Which, I mean, they have that parallel going with the, the Lord, Lord of the Lord Rings. Of the yep. So, yep. there's something about Lord of the Rings. I mean, maybe it's because so many people die in that. We talk about Lord of the Rings all the time on this podcast. There are the Lord of the Rings minutes, like our sister show on the same network as us on Dueling Genre. So, like, I think there's going to be, there's been a lot of little crossover talk between the two shows recently. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so, so he shows up, he's playing Garrick Ollivander. And uh, I looked into the history of Ollivander, and he was saying that when he was a, it was saying on Pottermore that when he was a child, he saw people come in to commission his father to make wands, and they would want to use, um, like, they wanted the wand cord to be made of, like, the hair of this thing that almost killed their parent, or they wanted, like, mm -hmm. this beloved pet or something, and, and, and Garrick decided, no, like, wands are, are tools to be used by wizards, they should only be made with the finest magical, like, implements, like, the, it, you need to use the, the best, um, the best ingredients to, like, produce the finest wands, and so now, because of that meticulous care and detail, he is regarded as one of the most uh, well-respected wand makers in the world. Uh, people come from countries all over to come get a wand from Ollivander. And he only uses three different types of wand cores. Um, unicorn hair, dragon heartstring, and phoenix tail feather. And uh, I wrote a little bit about each one of them. I think uh, when I was doing a lot of this, there's on Pottermore there's a lot of like wand talk that you can find through the observations of Mr. Ollivander. So Ollivander wrote about the cores, and, and these are what they said for, for these three. Uh, unicorn hair produces consistent magic. It's the most difficult to turn to the dark arts, and it is the one that is the most, most faithful to the original wizard that has that wand. Whereas with Dragon Heartstring, if you take a Dragon Heartstring wand from someone, its allegiance is more likely to shift. Um, Dragon Heartstring produces the most power, and uh, it's the easiest to push towards the Dark Arts. Um, 
another detail says it's prone to accidents and it's temper temperamental. So the wand cores, the wands themselves really have personalities mm -hmm. that, that come out based on the different components that go into it. So dragon heartstring is prone to accidents and is temperamental. Unicorn hair is not the most powerful, but it's prone to melancholy if it's misused uh, to the point where like you might where the hair will die and it has to be replaced. And Phoenix Tail Feather, it says, has the greatest range of magic, showing the most initiative and sometimes acting of its own accord. Uh, it is the pickiest uh, of, of the wands. It's fiercely independent because it comes from a creature that is a very solitary, independent creature. And uh, it's the hardest to tame, it says. So uh, three different wand cores that show up a lot. Uh, Harry's, of, we know, is Phoenix Tail Feather. Most of the wands, I think, are unicorn hair that show up. We don't hear the cores of most of the wands. Malfoy has a dragon heart string wand. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I didn't, I didn't look into what his... Uh, his wand wood was made of but for later in the minute or later in the week i want to talk about like the components that go into the wands um we don't see one of the details that i really vividly remember about Ollivander in the books was that anytime he met someone he would tell like he he says i remember every wand i've ever sold Mm -hmm. You're getting ahead here. We are, <laughs> but but one of his traits because of that is anytime he he meets somebody, he tells them like this was your wand. Like I know that this is what it was made of, and this is how long it is, and this is what the core is. Like he he tells Hagrid as soon as he sees Hagrid what Hagrid's wand is. When he mentions James and Lily later, he says that uh, he 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 rattles off what both of their wands were. Um, I have that details for when we get to that later in the minute, but um, I did a lot of digging for information about the wand stuff. So we'll talk about the properties of the wands of those characters when we get to that. I'm excited. Do you know, oh yeah, you were saying, we were gonna. I was going to ask if you knew what your wand was, but did you ever do the wand thing on Pottermore? I don't think that I did. Or if I did, I don't remember. That's okay. There's no pressure on that. We'll do it between today and tomorrow. Uh, we'll check on that, and then we'll talk about it tomorrow. Uh, my wand, according to Pottermore, is ten and three quarters inch, uh, unicorn hair, and it's made of redwood. I think Victoria's is dogwood. Mine's dogwood, also unicorn hair, but eleven inches. Oh. Um, I actually found a, a carpenter, a master carpenter, online, and had both of mine and Gary's wands made to Super look cool. exactly like the ones from Pottermore. Do you know the um? Can you plug the? Yes, uh, you can go on their Facebook page, which is Gifts for Wannabe Witches and Wizards. Awesome. Uh, her husband also makes custom, like, uh, one-of-a-kind wands that he designs himself. Okay. Uh, as well as you send him a picture of the Pottermore wand, and they can make a Pottermore wand replica. Comes inside a drawstring bag with a little tag that, you know, states all the little information on it. And they'll also make replica brooms. Wow. Um... That'd be really cool. I would love to have a broom from. Yeah, they look very nice. That's awesome. Which one would you want? The Nimbus. Maybe the Nimbus 2000. I think the Nimbus 2000 looks. I like the look of the Nimbus 2000 better than the Firebolt. Is the Firebolt literally red? Is it in the book? I always get the impression that it's like red, like a darker wood. Like a red wood? Yeah. I think I like the lighter colors. Yeah. I like the design of the his Nimbus 2000. And then like like when Malfoy gets the Nimbus 2001 and they're all 
Of course, it just happens to be black that year. Oh, yeah. Like, playing into those stereotypes. But then, like, there's the one point where all of a sudden they look like they have little, like, feet pedestal things. Like, you know, like, the, oh, like those where you can put your little feet. Yeah, things. stirrups. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah. yeah. I know. I'm not really a fan of that. No, yeah. I'm not either. I, I don't think, think it looks like you're, you're trying to turn it into, like, a horse that you ride. Next, <laughs> next, the next right? version's going to have a saddle. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that would be awful. That would be awful. Like, no thanks. No thanks. Well, but then, like, I don't know, in, in the end of the book, the first book, Dumbledore flies to London, and then just the thought of Dumbledore, like, flying a broom seems really silly to me, compared to, like, the kids playing Because he looks so, like, you know, regal. He really carries himself, Richard Harris, uh, not Richard Harris, yeah, Richard Harris, right? Mm-hmm. Carries himself with such, like, a regal, like, presence. Yeah, it's, he doesn't on. have the same sort of jolly, like, eccentricity that, um, that Dumbledore in the book does, but... What I do like about these handmade wands is that they don't use power to the time. Oh. He, he does the all hand Wow. Wow. Which is pretty impressive. Very, very skillful. What's, yeah. What's very nice is that if you ever buy anything from them, they will make a post all for you that will have the picture of your wand on it and then the stages of the nice. wand making process um, from start to finish. Uh, as well as make you like a school photo. If you send a photo of them, they will crop it and make it look like a almost like a yearbook photo type of thing going on with a border going through your house. They put it on. They they take marks as to every customer and every person who buys from them, which is nice. really nice. That's really cool. I like that a lot. I'm excited to get our ones. I know they they've already been mailed, so hopefully they should be here before Christmas. If they're here before, yeah, that'd be cool if they got here this week that these episodes are airing because yeah. it'd be nice to be able to post that stuff with the episode uh, in front of the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that mine and Gary's one is almost identical. Yeah, they're very similar. Very, very similar. To I wonder if a, bit longer. a lot of the uh, designs on Pottermore, like if there's just a limited number of different types. Right, and then they just get recycled. And yeah. Because I've seen other designs, but yeah. That's all right. Cool. That'd be cool. Um, I like that Ollivander recognizes Harry for who he is as soon as he gets to that, the end of the bookshelf, or the end of the oh, shelf. Yeah. I like, have, like, the whole thing on that, like, later, with yeah. their, like, interactions and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, it happens right here, like, he gets to the end and he looks at Harry and he just says, like, I wondered when I'd be seeing you, Mr. Potter. Like, he knows yeah. exactly who this kid is. I think it's amazing how people can just look at Harry and know. I, I would assume that Ollivander knows because he just remembers every wand he sold, and so he looks at this kid and is like, oh, clearly you're the son of James Potter. And well, they say they always say he looks like his father, so then yeah. he just looks, you know, he looks Enough like, like, like oh, James and exactly. everyone who knew James just knows. Yeah, exactly. Which would, exp- well, we'll get to that later, um, which would explain why Mrs. Weasley doesn't recognize him like, right off the bat, I would assume. Like, she doesn't know who he is until Ron is like, hey, guess who my new friend is. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is fine. Michael's face. Well, yeah, because you even see when they meet later, you know, Harry has to, like, move. Mm-hmm. He has to, really, like, show his... So anybody else who recognizes him and it's, you know, being covered must have, as you said. No yeah. James. No. I, uh, yeah, so I, I like I like that he's, you know, and then he immediately gets to work because everyone who comes to Ollivander's comes for one thing, and it's a wand. So he's like, okay, like, I'm going to find you the right one. And uh, his little little hand gesture there, his twiddling of the fingers, trying to find it. It was like he's like trying to divine, mimicking his little move with our finger. Yeah, Uh, he he like kind of like playing an invisible piano in front of himself or something, just twinkling his fingers. Which one? Which one? Like like he's feeling like for an aura, like "Mm." 
you know, I didn't write something. notes about this, but I looked at in the absence of Ollivander at the shop, they have a someone called like one wand keepers or something like that that are responsible for running the shop in his absence while he's gone. Right. And one of the requirements is an adaptitude and an adeptitude adeptitude. I don't like that word. An adeptitude for divination. To be oh, able to like yeah, perceive someone who's coming into the shop and then be able to have like an affinity for like this is the one that's going to suit them. That mm-hmm. would make sense. That makes, yeah, mm-hmm. makes a little sense. Uh, sense yeah, because otherwise, like he would be going like one by one by one to and find the one that's an insane seventeen thousand <laughs> wand boxes in the shop uh, at the moment. It's uh, very impressive. Um, and and he only goes through. It takes him like three different tries to find the right one. We'll talk about that more tomorrow, yeah. but. It'll be, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. So he's, he immediately goes looking for the wands, and he mentions to Harry that he remembers, it seems like only yesterday that your parents were in here. So I wrote about his parents' wands, because in the book he, he mentions that Lily's is ten and a quarter inches, willow, and swishy. He says that it's a nice wand for charm work. And then when I was looking at the website, uh, it talks about not only the different core types, they don't, we don't know the cores of Harry's parents' wands, um, but... The wood, her wood, is made of willow. And for willow, it says that it's uncommon wand wood with healing power. Its ideal owner usually has unwanted insecurities that they're trying to overcome. It tends to choose witches or wizards not because they are powerful, but that they have the greatest potential to be. Um, And then it says that it has a well-founded reputation for nonverbal magic, which I think is really cool. Because uh, Lily's most powerful spell, I would call it a spell maybe, mm-hmm. is the love protection over Harry, mm-hmm. which is completely nonverbal. It has nothing to do with yeah, like a yeah. spell that she casts. It's just an innate magic. Um, James's wand is 11 inches, mahogany, and pliable. Uh, he says that it's little more, it had a little more power, power and was excellent for transfiguration. Um, the website doesn't have any information about mahogany as a wood for wands, but it makes sense that it's perfect for transfiguration considering that he was an animagus. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I like these little touches. Turn himself into exactly, exactly, uh, which I think is really cool. Um, Ollivander, his wand is made of hornbeam. It's twelve and three quarter inches in dragon heartstring, and uh, hornbeam says that it selects witches or wizards with singular, some say obsessive passions. Um, it is very adaptive to the owner's style and becomes very personalized to the point that like other people have difficulty casting spells with someone's wand if their wand is made of hornbeam. Um, it is particularly fine-tuned and sentient and is the word. Sentient. That's the word that is used on the Pottermore website. Sentient. sentient. Yeah, it really, I, I keep, it, it, the all the stuff that I read about wand making this week really feels like the wands themselves have personalities and, um, and a kind of awareness that well, they you, are... You can tell that, like how picky everybody is about their wands. Like, later when, you know, Voldemort asks mm-hmm. Lucius for his, and he's, you know... Is it like, uh... Yeah. practically would have you know, been willing to. to give away his wife instead was, like, the faith exactly. that he has, like, the devastation of it. Um, yeah, and is, in, uh... You know, becomes kind of, seems more like, you know, 
a friend, like a part of yourself, too. Um, it's an extension of me. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. When Harry um, breaks his wand in Deathly Hallows, and then they pick a wand off one of the Snatchers, yeah. the wand that he gets from the Snatcher only sort of works. Like, yeah. it's not, exactly. it, it doesn't have an allegiance to Harry. It's not bound to Harry, so it doesn't really work for Harry. I think that's interesting. I also think it's interesting that it has that kind of foreshadowing with James's wand being the whole, you know, good for transfiguration. Exactly. It reminds me of the fact that for these movies, one of the main reasons that they've worked so closely with um, J.K. Rowling is consistency issues. Like, as they were, they didn't want to accidentally write things into the script Mm -hmm. that would, because they were, she had only made four books at the time the first one came out. So still many to go. Yeah. No no way for them to know where it was going to go. So they wouldn't want to say one thing here only to later have it be turned around. And so everything had to get approved from her. So they, they had to take lines out of their the movies that they had written mm-hmm. because she was... It was contradictory saying, to yeah, something. Yeah, like this is going to yeah. contradict something in the future. Like you well, can't We'll even say this. talk about it when we get to the later movies, but there are a lot of cases of things that are like cut from the movies that become important in the books. Um, but that's that's not for four oh, or five yeah. movies still. But we'll get to that. Um, we don't see a lot else in this minute. Uh, I noticed that it's very, very quiet. I think I might have already said that, but yes, we don't have any don't, music. They don't really do the music... Until they, I don't even think it'll. At least for another minute or two. No, it's in the next minute because I wrote a note about it. But yeah, so we'll get to that at the end of the next minute. Yes, you're just... right. You're right. Because I wrote that as the end of the minute. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I think that was everything I had for this minute. Then he he picks out a wand and he he approaches the counter in order to hand it to Harry. But we won't see what happens until tomorrow. Tomorrow's gonna I be a lot of fun. I wish you could see his face a little bit better as we're paused on this, like Harry's face in the background. He's kind of like looking over, like, what is he doing? Yeah. Like, I wish you could just take a second to... Well, because also this is going to be his... Uh, could potentially be, like, his wand, and he's not from this world, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's his first endeavor into it, which I... I will get into yeah, more even, in, even in the later minutes, so... Yeah. I think... new to him, you know, yeah, the idea um, of using a wand to produce magic, considering all the magic that we've seen to this point has happened wandlessly. You could argue that Hagrid uses a wand, but he uses an umbrella. Yeah, just it's a disguise. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So, so we don't really know. This is the first time we've seen that. Like, oh, wands are a thing. And in the book, I think I saw a quote on Pottermore today about Ollivander saying that, like. Any witch or wizard worth their salt could uh, produce magic with any instrument, but that wands amplify a wizard's power or help channel a wizard's power. But I was very interested in his use of the word instrument, that it can be channeled through any instrument. And that made me wonder if, like, if he does, if someone doesn't, we've seen cases of wandless magic. Uh, there, there's talk of characters that produce magic without using wands. We even see one of those characters in the Fantastic Beasts movie. We see magic happen wandlessly. So, what if someone just had like a pencil or something? Like, could you channel that? Because, because the the wand isn't producing the magic. The wizard You're still is. producing the magic. Mm-hmm. It, it comes from the wizard and is just channeled through. Well, would it the have wand. to at least be a magical instrument to be it's amplified in any? I would way. assume. I would assume that better ingre- or better better equipment results in better magic, but I don't know if you need well, maybe a maybe it's like a child, yeah, there. like if you're sitting there like playing with colored pencils or whatever and maybe like you're getting mad and you happen to have, like, would it have exactly. the same effect if you're 
Yeah, I don't know. Branding it about, which no one can tell that I am, so I'm not sure why I asked. Put my pen back. <laughs> uh, practicing magic for no one to right? no one to see, except for us. We see. We we're we're, we're witnesses. I was secretly just gonna throw that at you. I was so it. messed up. We're we're professionals here, you guys. Um. Okay. I think I think that was everything <laughs> that I had for note. this minute. Um. All right. Yeah. Did you have anything? Did you guys have anything else for a uh, minute twenty six? No. No. Okay, you can uh, find us at DuelingGenre.com along with Lord of the Rings Minute and Back to the Future Minute and uh, I think by the time this airs I think Geek by Night and Back to the Future Minute are both coming, no they're coming back in January so they'll be back in a couple of weeks which is really exciting um, I really love those shows you can find us on Facebook at Harry Potter Minute and Twitter at HP Minute you can join our Facebook group Harry Potter Minute and the Listener's Army which is like a little community page for people that are listeners of the show to kind of interact with each other we talk about Harry Potter we talk about Fantastic Beasts like it's kind of a fun little community. people post memes it's a fun community oh yeah lots of memes lots of memes all the Harry come share all the Harry Potter memes at Harry Potter Minute and the Listener's Army and if you want to email us you can email us at contact at hpminute.com uh, we wrap up the show by saying mischief managed how do you feel about that? Do you want to say mischief? Are you ready? Okay. Mischief, mischief managed. managed.